welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. We started last week on success habits, the things we should do to be successful. We read in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that God spoke to Joshua when he was taken over from Moses that this book of the law should not depart, but he should meditate upon the word of God day and night. Then he will make his way prosperous and then he will have good success. In other words, if you do what you are supposed to do, success is guaranteed. A student in school that doesn't prepare for examination will fail. A student also who prepares hard will succeed. Life has a way of giving back to you what you put into it. So it is true that with God on your side, you'll be successful. But you see, success is a habit. We said last Sunday that if you want to change your results, change what you do daily. Let every day matter. Let every day count. Don't while away time. Don't live carelessly. Because your future is actually stored up in what you do daily. What you do repeatedly, you do well. What you do often, you do well. And what you do well, that's what you are known for. And the Bible makes us today, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It was talking about Jesus. That, so he came to Nazareth, where he has been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. This verse said Jesus has a custom. He has this habit of going to the synagogue every Sabbath day. So whatever thing you do regularly determines your future. It's my prayer this year, you will do what is appropriate, you do what is right in the mighty name of Jesus. And we said last week that meditation is focused thinking. Whatever thing you focus your mind to, that's what life will deliver to you. So we said that when you meditate upon the word of God, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, you will be blessed immeasurably by doing so. So focus your thinking on the word of God. He said meditation will also produce light. And light matters if you want to journey successfully. Light is the word of God. Light is revelation knowledge. Light is seeing things from God's perspective. When you are lighting, you have divine perspective. When you are lighting, you know things before they happen. When you are lighting, you have insights into mysteries. When you are lighting, you are empowered to walk the walk. So the next success habit is what I call thanksgiving. The Bible says in Psalm 34 verse 1, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my lips. Say, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. So David had this custom, this habit, repeatedly. He blessed the Lord all day through. And when you bless God, he blesses you back in return. So David had this good habit of blessing God continually. He said, his praise will forever be in my lips. In Psalm 119 verse 164, he also said there, that seven times a day will I praise you. Because of your righteous judgments. Say so seven times I will do praise session. I will do praise and worship session seven times a day because of your righteous judgments. So praise is very, very important because praise refreshes God. The Bible says in Proverbs 11:25 that the liberal soul shall be made fat, and either waters shall be watered back again. The NIV version says, either refreshes shall be refreshed back again. 
So praise refreshes God. When you want to think of refreshing, maybe you've been thirsty. You've been thirsty for three days. You haven't had water to drink. And then suddenly you have water. What happens to you? You are refreshed. Yesterday, my wife cooked. And I couldn't eat until evening. And the aroma was affecting me so much. She cooked, she cooked, and she cooked. So when it was time to eat, I ate. When I was eating that meal, it wasn't just sweet. It was refreshing me. Oh, I was refreshed. And my soul was blessing her. And I was telling myself, I'm so fortunate. That what a wonderful woman you married. A woman that will cook your meal and you'll be blessed. And guess what? Praise is God's meal. Where you can cook it well for him, you can do it very well for him and serve the meal. You can be blessed assured, it will refresh you back. Either water shall be watered back. Either refreshes shall be refreshed back. So praise refreshes God. We give him thanksgiving. And because we do that, he blesses us back. When you bless God, it's automatic, he will bless you back. Praise is a weapon of warfare. You must never forget that. Many of us think it's just the blood of Jesus. You think that's the only weapon? Oh, yes, the Bible says the word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Oh, yes, the Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee was bowed. So, the name of Jesus is a weapon of warfare. The blood is a weapon of warfare. The word of God is a weapon of warfare. But also, praise is a weapon of warfare. Psalm 149, verses 6 to 9. It says, let the high praises of God be in their mouths. And a two-edged sword in their hand. In other words, when you praise God highly, when you are full of praise, it becomes a double-edged sword in your hands. The Bible says God is fearful in praises. When praise is high, God can do anything. So that's why Satan wants to keep you not to praise God because he's afraid. When you praise God, you bring that his glory. And when his glory comes down, things happen. And when his glory lifts, it leaves a residue of miracles, signs, and wonders. He said, let the high praise of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people who are not the people of God to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with feathers of iron to execute on them the written judgment, this honor of all his saints, praise the Lord. So in other words, praise is a weapon of warfare. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, some three powerful nations came against Israel, came against Judah, came against Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. He was a multitude of soldiers. The Bible says it was a multitude of army that gathered against this small community. It was multitude of enemies. God spoke to him to go appoint singers. Say, position yourself because you won't need to fight in this battle. Say, just appoint singers. Let them go ahead of the army of Judah in battle. Can you see that battle strategy? That praise worship leaders will be before soldiers. And as they begin to praise and worship God, the enemy, three nations who gathered against them had a misunderstanding. And before you know it, nation A killed nation B, nation B killed nation C, and they fought themselves. By the time God's people came to the battle scene, there was no more battles to fight. It's my prayer this year, God will fight your battles. You will need to lift a finger this year in Jesus' mighty name. As you position yourself, as you praise God adequately, it's my prayer God will fight your battles. And you will also have spoils of battles in Jesus' mighty name. 
The Bible says that when they came to the battle arena, the enemies were totally finished. And guess what? They came to the battlefront with jewels, with trinkets, with gold. And these people of God, they began to strip them of all these jewelries. And it took them three days to gather the spoil. They didn't fight in that battle. This year, you will not worry unnecessarily. In the mighty name of Jesus. This year, God will go before you and he will silence all your enemies. In the mighty name of Jesus. Rather than worry, please praise. The best time to praise God is when you are full of worries. Because when you are worrying and you choose to turn that battle back to God, it will silence your enemies. And I see your enemies be silenced this year in Jesus' mighty name. Another thing about praise is that praise stimulates joy in the believer. Praise stimulates joy in the believer. Joy is very, very critical. It's also a weapon of warfare. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, it says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you are not full of joy, you are also not full of strength. And you need mental strength, spiritual strength, emotional strength. But when you are full of joy, you are also full of strength. That was why David was able to overcome all his enemies. He wrote 73 of the Psalms out of 150 because he was always full of joy. His joy was intact. It's my prayer this year your joy will be intact in the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, Isaiah 12, 3, it says, Therefore with joy shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. He also said in Philippians 4, 4, he said, Rejoice evermore, and again I say, Rejoice. Why? Because joy is your strength. And believe me, joy affects your prosperity. It affects your productivity. Joy chapter 1 verse 12. Say the vine is dried up. And the fig tree languishes. The pomegranate tree. The palm tree. The apple tree. Even all the trees of the field are withered. Because joy is withered away from the sons of men. All the productive trees. Apple tree. Pomegranate tree. The fig tree. The vine. Everything was withered, was dried up because joy is withered away from the sons of men. When you are happy, Satan is sad. And when you are sad, Satan is happy. So please silence the enemy. Be joyful all year through. Don't let your joy be based on happenings around you. Let your joy be based on the Holy Spirit within you. Because it affects your productivity. It affects what comes to you. It affects your prosperity if you are always sorrowing. You always be an alcoholic. Any little thing, you are sad. You attract demon spirits by being sad. Satan likes the way you are sad. You attract him when you are sad. He will come again and talk to you and make you sadder. But that will not be your portion this year. In the mighty name of Jesus, your joy shall be intact. Your joy will not be tampered with in the mighty name of Jesus. Your joy will not turn to sorrow this year in Jesus' mighty name. So all this production could do take place because joy was withered away from the sons of men. You are not sad. Because things are bad. But things are bad because you are sad. That scripture confirms it. You are not sad because things are bad. But things are bad because you are sad. When you are sad, you attract demon spirits. You draw them. They love it. But when you are joyful, you attract angels. Over one sinner that repents, in every angels rejoice. So please, it's a choice. It's a choice you have to make. Don't let anybody get on your nerves this year, and you go on for days thinking about it. Don't give anybody such power to touch your nerves this year. Medical science even proves it. 
Bible says a man's spirit will sustain him in his infirmity. In other words, when you are full of joy, you can be sustained in your infirmity. This year, challenges will come. But if you are full of joy, you'll be able to carry them effortlessly. The Bible says God will carry your eagle's wings. In other words, you will rise and glide above your challenges if you are full of joy. This year, you will know good joy in the mighty name of Jesus. So, we want to talk about another habit, and that's setting goals. The dictionary defines success as progressive realization or actualization of a predetermined goal. In other words, when you meet your targets, you can be successful. Success with God is different. Success in Christianity with God is hearing God and obeying God. So when you can hear God tell you this is the way working it, you hear that and you obey, you give all your life to what you had, then you'll be successful. But even though secular meaning says progressive realization of what where it goes, it's very important because the reality is this. Even people that don't come to church, some of them actually accomplish their goals. Some of them accomplish their financial goals, their marriage goals, their career goals. So you have to realize something with God, that look, God does the supernatural. But at the same time, too, there are some things you have to do. Somebody said, all good ideas are not God's ideas. But all God's ideas are good ideas. You know, that was somebody can bring forth a good idea that is his own idea. And good ideas always produce some results. But God's ideas are always good ideas. Just one good idea can turn your life around totally. So God's ideas are very desirable, very, very good. But at the same time, too, good ideas are also good. Because we are all in different spiritual standing with God. Some people can hear God so well. Some people are struggling to hear God. So whether you can hear God so well or not, you can at least have some goals. And then you plug into those goals. And by doing so, you will see some results. There's no magic in God. God does the supernatural. He works miracles. But at the same time, he's also giving man dominion over the works of his hands. Many times you are saying, Lord, do this for me. God is saying, look, the next move is your move. You move. When you move, I move. Because he's giving us dominion. Psalm 8, verse 4 to 6, over the works of his hands. Man in himself has some powers. So you better know that God will not dot all the I's for you. He will not cross all the T's for you. He will not do all you want him to do. He will say to you, he's done it. As a matter of fact, somebody said that God gave us brain so that we will allow him some time to rest. In other words, your brain can produce. You can think through a problem. You can think through a challenge. You can prayerfully think through a challenge. So it's not all up to God. It's a collaboration between God and man. For your destiny to be realized, it is you and God. It's not up to God alone. No! It's not all up to God. You have a say in the matter. There's an human element in the matter. There are some things God will not do until he sees a man. Say, look, I sought for a man. I look for a man in their midst. I look for a man. So, there are some things God will not do except some man is in agreement with him. Because some people feel, oh, once I become a Christian, God will just do everything for me. No, it doesn't work that way. No, that's not the way God works. Because he wants you to also be a part of the production. He wants you to also be a part to share some glory out of the blessing. 
So success is always measured vis-a-vis a goal, which is why we are talking about success habits. If you don't have a goal, you can't be assured of success. As a matter of fact, the way I know you are succeeding is by measuring your success vis-a-vis the goals you have set. So goal setting is so important. People don't make success, they don't achieve success because they have no goals. Just think of a football match that has no line for touchdown. So people are just running all over the place. When you don't have goals set, even when you succeed, you don't know because there's nothing to measure the goal. So why do we have to set goals? Because when we set a goal and do our best to reach that goal, a fruitful result is produced. Having goals add meaning to life. You see, there's something about every human being. When you succeed, you are happy. When you attain a goal, when you make something happen, oh, you are happy. And that's how people live long. And that's also why they're also challenged to do more. As setting goals make us think through. And this produces action in us that brings results. I'm sure you know about the parable of the talents. The master came, called three servants. He gave one five talents, another one two talents, another one one talent. And he told the three, go trade with this talent. And after a while, he came back. The guy with the five talents he had traded, got a 100% increase, brought five talents more, making 10. The other guy traded with two talents, had two more, brought two talents extra, making four. And the one with one talent went and buried the talent. In other words, he didn't make good use of what the master gave him. So you see, life gives people equal opportunities. We all have the same 365 days. Somebody will maximize his own and get a 100% yield. Another person doesn't have any result at all to show for a whole year. Even though we have the same amount of time. Some people in one day, they achieve so much. And some people in six months don't even come close. There's something that you can multiply around you. But if you don't have goals for yourself, you may just be like that one guy who came back with the one talent. That will not be your testimony in Jesus' mighty name. So when we have goals, it makes us to think through. You can think through and then multiply. When you have goals, it makes you to maximize time and talents and treasures. We see that in the parable. And you see, it's also true. Why do we have to set goals? We can make our plans. But the Lord determines our steps. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, a New Living Translation, says we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. It's okay to make plans, but we trust in God to determine our steps. Many Christians in the guise that the future belongs to God never plan. Many people don't have financial goals. If you are working, you can have a retirement account. I are putting money into that every month gradually. So by the time you are retiring in 40 years' time, you have a chunk of money. That's a goal. That's a plan. That's a financial goal. Yes, the future belongs to God. It can set to your future. But for God's sake, if I leave an extra $1 million for my children when I go, they will like me more. They will say, Daddy did well. Yes, Daddy was a pastor. He showed us the will of the Lord. Because of Daddy, yes, I'm a Christian today. But if Daddy also left so much money for them, oh, they will be happy. And you don't need rocket science to know that. It's just something you have to do. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. It's very, very impossible to steer a stationary vehicle. 
But when the vehicle begins to move, then you can steer it. So when you have your own plans, God can now determine your steps. He can say, look, go this way, don't go this way, take this route. But if you just are stationed on a spot, you can't steer that vehicle. Abraham was going to get a wife for his son Isaac, and he made his servant Eliza to go to get a wife. He made the goal so clear. He said, look, don't get a wife from here. Go to my wife's place and go get a woman there. And Eliza had never been to Sarah's place, but he opted out in faith. It was a clear instruction. And Eliza said in Genesis chapter 24, verse 27, Eliza, that's Abraham's servant, said, I've been in the way the Lord led me. You know, that was, he was in the way, and the Lord was able to determine his steps. But if he had remained back, he wouldn't have been able to be led by God. So, set something in motion. As you set something in motion, that God can take over. Stop thinking God will do it all. No, it's a wrong notion, it's a wrong theology, it's a wrong doctrine. Stop thinking God will do it all. You set the ball rolling and leave the rest to God. So, if you have to go back to school, go back to school. Yes, you don't have the fees to pay now. But the reality is that just set something rolling. And then God will take it up. That's how God works. It's easier to steer a moving vehicle than a stationary one. And you see, when you have goals, it produces focus. It helps you to avoid distractions. If I have a goal for my day, it's difficult for someone to come and hijack it. I know where I'm going to. Maybe I'm going to Philadelphia. One friend will not just come and say, oh, let's go to Maryland. Because I'm already set to go to Philadelphia. So because I have a goal for myself, nobody can just hijack my time. You don't live a meaningful life, a deliberate life, just by being blown about by everybody. So when you have a goal, it produces focus. The Bible says for the joy that was said before Jesus, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Jesus kept on seeing himself seated at the right hand of God. And by seeing that vision, he was able to endure the cross. He kept on seeing himself seated. He had a goal. I must sit at the right hand of God in heaven. So that goal propelled him through the pain of the cross. He endured because of what was ahead of him. It's my prayer you endure, and as you set your goals, God will move on your behalf. He will determine your steps in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening, and make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.